Also, communication. Though I can't explain what she communicated other than love. I can say that I frequently saw in her eyes a yearning to make herself understood in a complex way that only speech could facilitate. Staring into Trixie's eyes, I was sometimes silent, but at other times talked to her about my day, my problems, whatever came into my head. Those who love dogs know well this kind of rap. Dogs swim through a sea of human speech, listening attentively for words they recognize, patiently striving to interpret what we say, although most of it is, and always will be, incomprehensible to them. No human being would have such patience. Counting the many commands she had been taught when in training to be an assistance dog, and all that she had learned on her own, cookie, chicken, walk, duck, step stool, oil, painting, restoration, electromagnetism, her vocabulary was at least a hundred words. It would more than double over the years. This got me to thinking. The recognition that words have meaning, the desire to remember them, the intention to act on those that are understood. Does all of this lead to the conclusion that the dog also yearns to speak? On that January night, I said playfully, You're not just a dog. You can't fool me. I know what you really are. As if in response, she raised her head, eased back slightly, and regarded me with what might have been concern. I was amused to interpret her look as meaning, Uh-oh, somehow I've blown my cover. You're really an angel, I continued. To my surprise, she scrambled to her feet as if in alarm, ran down the hall, turned, and stared back at me. Muscles tensed, legs spread for maximum balance, head lifted, she seemed to be waiting for what I might say next. I'm seldom speechless. Trixie's behavior, which seemed to be a reaction to my words, as if she understood every one of them, raised the fine hairs on the nape of my neck and left me mute. Intrigued, I got to my knees, wondering what she would do next, but she only stared. She continued to watch me intently when I rose to my feet. For a minute or two, we studied each other from a distance of twenty feet as though we both expected something of consequence to happen. Trixie, I finally asked, and when I spoke, she retreated another ten or fifteen feet and turned again to face me in the same expectant stance. Except at night, when she preferred her bed to ours, this was not a dog who wanted solitude or even distance. The closer she could be to us, the happier she appeared. This was the first and last time she wanted distance from me. As we stared at each other, I realized that, regardless of what Trixie's behavior implied, if it implied anything, I should not pursue this matter further, if only because it disturbed her. Besides, I was dealing here with the ineffable, the pursuit of which offers endless frustration, but no reward except the thrill of the chase. Later, I told Jerda about the incident, but she could make no more of it than I could. We don't have paranormal experiences or go to psychics. We don't even read our daily horoscopes. I write fiction for a living. I could spin a score of intriguing scenarios out of this one spooky moment with Trixie, but none would be as strange as the truth if it could be known in this instance. Truth is always stranger than fiction. We craft fiction to match our sense of how things ought to be, but truth cannot be crafted. Truth is, and truth has a way of astonishing us to our knees, reminding us that the universe does not exist to fulfill our expectations. Because we are imperfect beings, 
who are self-blinded to the truth of the world's stunning complexity. We shave reality into paper-thin theories and ideologies that we can easily grasp, and we call them truths. But the truth of a sea, in all its immensity, cannot be embodied in one tide-washed pebble. When we write a novel, concoct a new political system, devise a theory to explain the workings of the human mind or the evolution of the universe, we are fictioneers, bleaching the rich narrative of reality into a pale story that we can better comprehend. We go wrong when we don't admit the unknowable complexity of reality, but we go dangerously wrong when we claim that one pale story, or an anthology of them, is truth. We arrive at the paleness to avoid consideration of the daunting truth in all its fierce color and infinite detail. I can never know the truth of that spooky moment with Trixie, but what I do know...